Welcome to the SEO Andy podcast. My name is Andy Kinsey. You can find us at seoandy.com. I'm on Twitter at Andy Kinsey. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Audible. And of course, this is being live streamed at 12.30 each Thursday over on YouTube. You can get it there before it lands on your podcast on Friday morning. So this week, we're going to do things a little bit different. We're going to be doing the information up front and the news at the end of the podcast. So let's crack on. Anyone joining us live, you can pop any questions, comments in the live chat. And so that goes for any of the news section as well, which we don't usually have, have questions for. So let's crack on. So this is a question and answer session. I've taken some questions from previous episodes, as well as some general questions I get asked a lot, whether it's from potential clients, some clients, or just in general on social media. So let's get cracking. So the first question is, how long does SEO take? So SEO takes as long as it takes. The question is really when you're first starting out. So if you're a brand new website, SEO can take anywhere from three months to a year, really, for you to see the first impact. And that is because it depends what niche you're in, really. And it depends how busy that niche is. And it depends what you're targeting and what you're really trying to do. So are you trying to gain rankings? In which case, it depends, again, what niche you're in, what keywords you're trying to attain and really i always tell people don't chase the keywords chase the traffic so if you're chasing traffic go for the quality traffic and what i mean by that is traffic that is going to convert so for instance i've got a client who has literally millions of traffic however that traffic isn't all worth the same in terms of quality. So some of that traffic is never going to convert. So it, the majority of it, sorry, Maisie is under the desk. So the majority of it comes from organic. Some of it comes from social. Some of it comes from referral links. The reality is that it's not all generate leads for. So if we concentrate on generating more traffic from higher value keywords and higher value links and higher value shares on social media, so really good quality traffic, then they are more likely to convert. Yes, we could go for low-hanging fruit, which we should always do as well because it's easy to attain, but the reality is we should be focusing, laser focused on those really, really quality keywords that are going to get leads, sales and revenue for the company. Now, that might take more time and more money. But the reality is, if you do that, the low hanging fruit comes with it. So it sounds really backwards when you think about it like that. But if you're going for, say, and I'll talk about 
these kind of keywords later, but you're going for local and international SEO as an objective. So if you're going for, say, Barber in Manchester as a keyword, which is going to be quite hard to get anyway, it's quite a specific term, then actually you're going to have to pick up along the way other keywords to attain with that. So, for example, barber in quite a specific location in Manchester is going to be, have to be something you specifically pick up with. It. And you're also going to have to specifically pick up some quite technical stuff on your website with it and other content that talks to your website, so other social media. And you're going to have to pick up a lot of stuff to go with it to get anywhere near barber in Manchester. And that's how you get those really high-quality driven leads. So it can take, for a new website, three months, a year, before you start seeing the drawback from it. For someone who has been around for longer than that, stick your finger in the air. The reality is, it depends what you've been doing before, whether you've been affected by a Google algorithm update, which almost everyone has, and whether you are a big site, a small site, and what niche you're in. The reality is, is do you have a piece of string and how long is that piece of string? Because any number of factors can affect it. So it can take six months, a year, two years before you get any kind of payback. However, it is always worth it because organic traffic, once it rolls in, is always going to be higher quality content, a higher quality traffic than other traffic because they've specifically come with an intent on your website and you've not just picked up other traffic that's rolled in, say, from social media and they've seen an infographic and go, oh, this is interesting. Oh, someone shared this. So it's higher quality. So, and that brings us to our next point. Once you've gained rankings, and traffic should you continue with SEO? And the answer is yes. And you, you're thinking, well, he is going to say that. He's an SEO, of course he's going to say it. But the reality is, is think of it like this. If you go to a gym or if you're eating healthily and you suddenly stop it, you've been doing it for 12 months and you stop, those benefits are going to drift away after, what, after two, three months. And it's exactly the same with SEO. If you are in a contract for SEO and you're seeing the benefits after, what, six months, you're seeing those that traffic go up, you've seen your sales go up, and then at the end of the 12 months you go, actually, yeah, they're going up, but it's not where I think it should be. So you turn around and you go, I want more. I want more. And you say, well, actually, I'm going to end this contract. Because, well, you're not impressed. But you don't put another SEO in place. Is that not cut your nose off to spite your face? Or you just don't continue that contract? The reality is, is that by not continuing SEO, is that you are cutting your nose off. 
you you are basically not moving from one gym to another. You're not continuing exercising. You're not continuing to eat healthily. So you will drop in rankings. You will not continue best practice. Your website will not continue to be healthy and you will not continue to advance technically. And so regardless of what you do, even if you continue to say, if you're using WordPress, install those updates, the reality is, is your website isn't advancing technically. It's not, for example, improving structured data. It's not going to advance in terms of what Google wants to see. We'll talk about it later. It's rolling out another product review update. It's not going to continue to advance in terms of content. And what you need to do is understand that actually SEO brings with it a lot more structure to what you're doing in terms of your team marketing, your team's marketing. It's not just about your website itself, although it is that. It's about the wider picture. And that brings us to our next question. Can I just buy links? Going back 10, 15 years ago, all the hullabaloo was, of course, let's buy some links. And the reality is, lots of people did. And then came a Google update. And they all got penalised. Because buying links is a really bad idea. And it's a really bad idea because you're manipulating Google. And anything you do to manipulate Google, or you think you're manipulating Google, Google's going to crack down on. And the same with if Google thinks you're manipulating users. So anything that you think is remotely in this ballpark, don't do it. So the answer is no. Don't buy links. Now, some people will confuse this with, oh, so I shouldn't be sending people books for reviews? No, it's not the same thing. Or I shouldn't be asking a newspaper to talk about me. Not the same thing. I shouldn't be asking a blog to talk about me. Not the same thing. Asking the influencers to talk about you, asking for book reviews or anything like that, or getting affiliates, it's not the same thing. The reality is that buying links is literally advertising basically illegally through malpractice in in Google's eyes. It's black hat, it's hidden links, and Google will know you've done it because literally maybe hundreds will appear within the space of a few weeks. It's bad practice. Don't do it. So the next question I get asked lots and lots is, and this is tends to be from startups more than anything, is can you guarantee me rankings or can you guarantee me traffic? And the answer is no. And anyone who... How to put this? Anyone who dare say they can is lying to you. No one can guarantee you a number one spot on Google. And I mean it. If anyone says they can, they're probably buying you adverts. And I'm looking you straight in the face here. A certain book with yellow pages. 
Yes, I named you. <laughs> because you have been known to literally call people up and guarantee you a number one spot on Google and all you're doing is buying adverts. And I've said this on a live stream. They're probably going to call me up and say, what are you on about? But literally, they do just that. So if anyone guarantees you a number one place on Google, it's not going to be through search engine optimization. If anyone says they've got a special relationship with the Google, they haven't. They're probably a Google partner buying adverts. The reality is, is SEO is never guaranteed. And all anyone can do is best practice, advance your website technically and with content as well as building things off-site for you, like links, relationships, and really, that's about it. And that makes my job sound really wishy-washy. It's not. It's really advanced, and it's data-focused. However, nothing is guaranteed in life, and that's what people in my industry have to be honest about. We cannot guarantee you a number one spot in particular for generic terms. And that brings me to the next question. Can I get you ranked even close to number one for generic terms like barber, SEO, or designer, or even for locations like Manchester? And the answer is no, or not really. I can get you somewhere close, usually. And the reason is because everyone has a personalised search. However, if you look at generic rankings, the answer is going to be no. And that's because you're fighting against the world. So if you search for the word barber, you're going to be fighting against the whole world of barbers. If I search for the word SEO, every SEO in the world is going to be in a fight against me. So I would be up against the likes of every SEO dashboard, every SEO crawler, even Google, because they too write about SEO and SEO's best practices. Designer, list every type of designer in the world and you'll be up against it. Put in the word Manchester or at any location, or pretty much anyone that's going to be located there, you're going to be up against them if your address includes the word Manchester. So getting ranked for those generic terms, it's almost impossible. However, if you've got a service in that location, you can start to rank for, say, Barber in Manchester, Barber in New York, and it's not that hard to do. You've just got to focus, and you've got to have pages that are focused on that service. So, yeah, you can rank for general terms, if you really, really try. But it's not that easy, because also you're going to be up against the likes of news websites as well, which, again, as I say, make it almost impossible. And that brings us to, is local SEO different to national SEO? And yes, it is. So local SEO is what we've just spoken about. It's the Barber in Manchester, Barber in New York, SEO in Manchester, SEO in New York, web designer in Manchester, etc. It's going really local, and it might even be more local than that. It might be SEO in a 
conurbation in, say, London or in Manchester. And the reality is, by going that local, you might think you are cutting your audience down, and you are, but the reality is, by doing it, you're going so local that your competition is also really, really low. And what you can do is have, if you really, really think you can, have multiple pages for this. So one way I've seen people do this before is say have, but removal companies do this quite a lot, is have, so in Manchester, Great Manchester, there are 10 conurbations, is have removals in Manchester, removals in Salford, removals in Thameside, and have basically a page for each of them and make them really localised. Now, does this work? It can do, but you've got to have content that's focused on each of them, and you've got to have other pages around them that are focused on them, and you've really got to optimise them. It doesn't always work. It can do for services, where you've got a bigger idea like in Manchester or in Manchester City Centre, it doesn't always work when you've got like 10 of them. It works in a store location idea. So for example, Asda with multiple store locations with hundreds of them because you mark them up in the correct way. But where it's a single service offering multiple locations and it's not a fixed location in each of them, it's a generic service across them all. And you've only got one office location, and it's say Manchester City Centre, but it's across ten regions. It doesn't particularly work too well. So there are pros and cons to the approach, and you compare that to normal SEO, which looks across your whole website, and it's not particularly local. Yeah, they're vastly different. It looks at technical SEO, it looks at like content, and it's not targeting a specific area. And then you've got international SEO, which is kind of a version of local SEO, but on a country level. And it looks more specifically at the factors that are internationalized, like citations, like um, href language, and about how you use things like hreflang to say, well, this page is the same as this page in a different language. And basically, Google can flip people between them if you're, or not flip between them, but says, well, actually, if this is this page in this language, then we should be showing this one on this version of Google. So if you're in, say, Brazil, it doesn't want to show the English language version. It wants to show the Brazilian version of it. And in Spain, it wants to show the Spanish version of it and the same in Germany because it'll want to show the localized version for the best user experience. And that's, if you remember to last week, it all comes down to a Google user experience. So how often does Google update its algorithm? Now, the reality is that no one really knows. But I can tell you it's at least once a week, probably more. And the reality is also that you can probably split this down into a few ways. So there are everyday updates, which you probably won't feel. No one really feels these are just updates to the algorithm more broadly you've then got niche updates which is one of the things that's been rolled out today a product update um but you've also got niche updates in terms of specific category updates 
which can affect things like the news, they can affect things like automobiles. And you've then got broad core updates, and those are the things we saw um, just a few weeks ago, which affect every website. And those roll out every couple of months, although the one we recently saw was the first for six months. So that's kind of the time frame. You've got broad core every couple of months. You've got niche and category ones, which are every couple of weeks usually. And you've got everyday ones, which are every couple of days. So, yeah, that's the timeline for it. So the next question is, should you hire someone to help you with SEO? And the answer is just yes. The reality is, is unless you've got someone in-house who really knows what they're doing with SEO, is there are two specific ways of doing this, is you either get someone to help you with the technical side of it and doing audits and pointing to everything you need to do in terms of the technical side. So if you've got a web developer, they can point to them and go, do this, do this, do this. And you've also got then the content side of it, the same SEO should be able to go, this is what's wrong with your content, or this is how you advance your content. And they should also, as we do here, look at your external and go, this is where you can build links, and this is how you advance your website overall. Now, that is the audit side of it, and we do that every month for clients who we retain. And the other side of it, so you've got the audit side of it, which can be done as a one-off or ongoing. And then the other side of it is the actual work. So the actual work you can either do in-house or the SEO company can also do. So if you've not got the skill in-house, so you've got the web developer to help with the technical, and you've also got the content side of it. So if you've not got the skill in-house to do either of those, one or either of them, you can ask your SEO company to do it. The likelihood is you won't have the technical audit skills because it's quite specific, or the data skills to do the analytics reporting, because again, it's quite specific for SEO reasons. So you you would outsource that anyway. And then the implementation side, you either go to a web developer or the SEO company, and you can basically mix and match make it part of a retainer, I would never advise you do it as a one-off project. But I would always advise from the start of a new website, you build it into the web development, you do it from launch, and you do it on an ongoing basis. If you do that, it will ultimately be cheaper for you. If it's built in from before launch, the very basics, it will be cheaper. There is no doubt in that. Because ultimately, maintaining a website with even the most basic SEO is cheaper. Yes, things will have to be added as things advance in SEO, like structured data. I've, I've banged on about it myself since 2014 on the Boag World podcast. Um, and basically, it was all but ignored by most people. Um, but I've been using it since then. Um Google implemented it formally in search, even though they were talking about it then, um, in about three or four years later and made it part of their knowledge graph. The reality is, is it's now used by almost everyone. Implementing that 
in plugins, for instance, in WordPress, isn't always an easy thing. Implementing it by a web developer in your theme is a much harder thing to do. The reality is that these things cost money. But if you implement them from the start, it costs much less money. And the reality, again, is that if you've got an SEO that has a plan, has a strategy, and if you have a 12-month, 6-12-month, 24-month retainer with them, it reduces the cost. Whereas if you do it as a one-off project, the cost just escalates. Next, is blog commenting still valuable? This is a question that someone asked in a comment just the other day. And I absolutely loved it because I probably have a different answer to a lot of people. The answer is just yes. It's still valuable. And it's not valuable for the reason people will often think. So number one is do it in your name. As in at the top of blogs, it'll often say name, email, and website. And it'll link your name as the website. Do it there. Put comments in your brand name. Do not put it in the actual comment unless you're literally linking something with a really, really high value to that blog. Honestly, don't do it. And only comment on things that you want to add value to or you find really valuable. So I will comment on about five things a month because they're just really good pieces of content and they're always in my industry and the reason I do it is because they're in my brand name or they're in my name which is often my brand name and basically they're really great pieces of content that I want to add value to or I want to say this was a fantastic piece You've written this really well, and I want to share a piece of it. Would you mind? And by doing that, the other person interacts with it. And when you've got that interaction going backwards and forwards, you know that actually you're building a relationship. And that relationship becomes something. And it becomes something that search engines are going to see because it's a unique piece of content now that's a little bit of a tip there by the way building that unique piece of content because it's not just a boring comment in the section it's quite a big piece of content at that point and it's same in youtube comments even if you get spammy content in your comments which i've got quite a few of in my last video it's if someone puts spammy content and says something that's interesting or a question, go and answer it. Why not? So, first off, doing it in your name adds value to your brand because people will see it. And if it's a genuine comment, good. If it's a rubbish comment that just says, thanks for this, people go, uh, spam comment from this brand there are always no follow so it genuinely very little use to google but from google's point of view you're just 
boosting your brand. And Google knows your brand is still alive. And if that blog takes away the no comments off, the no follow off it, all the better. Because you've suddenly got follow link from that website. And believe me, some of them do. I've got maybe a couple of hundred links over the years from various blogs with quite high DAs. And it's just from putting comments on it. Some of them have actually come about maybe a year later when they've edited the theme. So that's really what you need to do. Next up, it's how can I find SEO errors? And the reality is that there are a few audit tools that you can use. Well, firstly, hire an SEO. It's much easier, and they'll tell you exactly where it is. Second, as Maisie, my co-podcast host, barks away. So Ahrefs, one of my go-to tools, and SEMrush, one of my other go-to tools, offer clean and easy ways to see issues on your website. If you're more technically advanced and you kind of know what you're looking at, have a look at Screaming Frog. None of these tools are particularly free. Um, There are other tools out there like SEO Power Suite. They all offer slightly different views on things. They won't all come out with the same issues, by the way, um, because they do different ways of crawling. They have different spiders. And even when you, for instance, compare, use the page speed tools I was talking about last week, you'll see different comparisons in those. So it's always, if you can get free trials of them, worth comparing them and seeing what comes out. And then seeing what suits you and your business better. And what you might actually find is when you look at the prices of these, is actually it makes no sense when you then go and speak to an SEO agency or consultant and say, actually, how much is a retainer a month for you to do me an audit and for you to do some work for me? Because the cost of them can be quite prohibitive for you to just run an audit on one or two websites a month versus a consultant slash agency doing it for 10, 20, 30 a month. That's just the way it goes, unfortunately. They're not built for individual businesses. So we now move on to this week's news. And the first bit of news is that Google has begun rolling out a new product review update. And the product review update is actually something they first rolled out in uh, some point in, I think it was early 2021. And they updated it just about three months ago. It's one of their niche updates. And they've updated it again. They're saying it's going to take two or three weeks to complete. So if you have a review website, get ready for a bit of rock and roll yet again. And 
just to give you a bit of background, Google issued a set of quality product review guidelines um, not that long ago. And what they basically say is your product review should be from a user's background and not just your own. It should be unique and it should be manufacturer-led in terms of it shouldn't include the manufacturer's description. You should have unique images and videos, if possible, obviously. Um, and you should share quantitative measurements uh, as to how you categorise the performance of the product. And also, you should explain how it's different from competitors and previous products in the product line. Um, and you should also seek to discuss the benefits and the what detracts from the products. So a pros and cons list in essence. Um, and the other thing that Google basically wants is the you to make your review stand out from the crowd is to go the extra mile in your review. So if you're talking about a car, is it fuel, fuel efficient? Is it safe? Is the handling any good? And talk about what would make it appeal to the key decision maker. And, um, and it wants you to be consistent in how you're measuring things. So if you've used a five-star rating, it wants you to break that down and use the same measurement across your website. So, and then we come on to something else that kind of relates into this. And it's basically Google is getting even stricter by the look of it on the affiliate websites and thin content. So if you've got a product review website, and you've got a table of where you can buy products from, and it's got, say, five on there, but you haven't got a substantial product review at the top, as we've just discussed, Google's going to class you as thin content. And that's all fair, in my view. And I've not seen one of these in probably about five or six months now. But basically, Google's really cracking down on this. It's saying if you've got a cookie-cutter design in this way, or if you've got really thin content and all it's laden with is affiliate links, you're basically done for at this point. And basically, don't do it. Go hard on the review and basically cut down the number of links. The other thing, Google, um, the next thing in Google News is that Google has confirmed it's fixed the indexing issue from last week. This was affecting large websites, news websites, e-commerce websites, etc. They saw a big drop in their indexing. It was, I don't think it was coming up as an indexing issue, just the number of pages had gone down. Um, a number of them also, from memory, were reporting issues with Google page speed across some of these pages, uh, across some of the other pages. This has all been fixed, apparently yet see proof of this uh, but google says the bug has been fixed it was a bug on their side it wasn't an actual 
issue to do with collecting data. It was just a bug in the algorithm as such. Uh, so, yeah, that's this week's news. Um, next week, we'll hopefully have a bit more information on this product review. We'll be able to hopefully look at a few examples um, that we can pull up. So if you've got any questions for for us in another Q&A, ping them across on at Andy Kinsey on Twitter. Hop over to seoandy.com forward slash podcast and get in touch with us there. I've been Andy Kinsey. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to or watching us on. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you soon.